jumping into the word this morning. Our word, our mandate of that we are making room. We are going to make room, believing that there are people that the Lord is putting on our hearts, people that it's on his heart. We're going to do some team preaching this morning. I'm going to team up. Actually, I feel like I'm teaming up with them. They're not teaming. Well, yeah, I'm teaming up with them more than they're teaming up with me. Josh and Cynthia uh, are going to share this word this morning. And uh, it's probably the favorite of the subjects within the word bless, uh, the eating together. So uh, we're going to capture that this morning. But uh, I do believe seasonally God is moving us into a harvest time. And may we not miss it. Is it possible to miss it? Yes, it is. It's possible to miss it. It's possible, you know, there were warnings about sleeping during harvest time. There were sons and daughters who would sleep. May we not be the sleepers, but may we be awake. And may we lift our eyes, as Jesus said, don't say four months. And then, don't say four months. Now is the time. Lift up your eyes. The fields are white, and they are ready. So we're believing that they are ready to make room for, and we have room for them. And uh, so we even hope to, uh, you know, have some times of prayer. Uh, it might even be a pre-service time, or it might be in life groups, or it might even be during the message. Uh, on Sunday mornings that we set aside some time to pray for the people that God has put on our hearts, people that the Lord opens our eyes to. So, of course, we how I, I love it that we are called to be a blessing. Called as church. The church should be a blessing. And I don't know how much of a blessing the church has been in certain periods of time. But this is a time that the church gets to be and should be the true salt, the true light, and be a blessing as Abraham was called and said, your descendants, I'm going to give you the nations, I'm going to give you descendants, that's us. And our time has come when he said to Abraham, he also says to us, I will bless those whom you bless. So imagine that, that the Lord's presence, the Lord's blessing. The Lord's kingdom would come upon everyone we would choose to reach out and really bless. So what does that recipe look like? We have uh, made up this recipe here of bless. And of course, we preached on beginning with prayer. It's all about prayer, beginning with prayer, praying in the middle, praying at the end, praying at all times, praying without ceasing, drop everything and pray. Begin with prayer. Secondly, of course, was listening. And but not just listening, but listening with care. Truly, truly tuning in and listening to those the Lord wants to bless. And then, of course, the ultimate, perhaps the ultimate intimacy, a moment, a level that we want to get to is we actually share a table together. We actually share a meal together. 
you know in Western culture, and even I'll tell you even more so in Eastern culture during Jesus' time, there was something very powerful and special, and it communicated something very profound. It's when you eat together. You share a meal together. It speaks volumes of all kinds of things in, the, in a, a relationship. So eating together and, of course, serving in love, serving them, we come to serve. Jesus came to serve. He blessed people by serving. And, of course, sharing our story is last. We have listened well. We have eaten well. We have served well. <laughs> and now we get to share. So that's, that's what this is. So I am praying and, and believing and hoping that the Lord will raise the water level of our prayer. Of our prayer. Because no matter how much we go through, this is why sometimes I don't like bullet points or like things because it's like number one and then I leave it and go to number two. No, number one is all through the whole thing, right? It begins with prayer and serving. It begins in prayer and eating. It begins in prayer and sharing my story. Prayer is the saturation of everything in it. So with that in mind, I, I don't know. Did, did last Sunday, did a prophecy get read? About Scott Apke? Yeah. All right. You know what? I want to read it again. <laughs> Almost didn't need to ask the question. But, but because I, I don't know about you, but for Jan and I personally, I didn't expect that prophetic word to hit us like it did. You know, we hear prophetic words all the time, right? But once in a while, you get a word that hooks you. It just grabs you, and it confirms itself in your life. And I don't know if that's happened with you, but it's beginning to happen with us. I can tell you immediately, after that prophetic word, I wasn't even thinking about it, but my next morning time, my next usual morning prayer time with the Lord, the next day, I'm praying, and I just, as I'm praying... I am sensing another level in my own prayer life, in my own prayer time with the Lord. It was one of those mornings, you know? I do get one of those mornings once in a while. But it was right after that prophetic word, and it was, I was just, I felt this, just a special sense of intercession and the burden of the Lord. And, and all of a sudden, I just realized, Oh my goodness, that's the prophetic word. Just as it said, just as it said. So let me read it to you again because if nothing else, it's become very special to us. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. He said there are angelic assignments connected to this season. They are spiritual labor and delivery specialists. But they can't deliver what hasn't yet been conceived. Those things that God has 
destined to be released in us can only be conceived in the realm of prayer. Think about that. Only in the secret place. But specific, specific and strategic prayer, prayer that carries assignments and destiny, prayer that is uttered in the secret place, many times even without words, prayer in the spirit, prayer that has no language other than the groaning in the spirit. And some of you may have never experienced that. I'm a man, but I have sensed what it's like in spirit. To be in travail. Not body labor. But spirit labor. I've been there. And I hope it captures you too. Because that's how deliveries come forth. Things are birthed. The seeds of what is to be released in the spirit. Are already in you church. But the conception and birthing of these things. Can only be accomplished in the secret place. Holy Spirit is going to release an anointing for this season of prayer in everyone who will yield to it. Make room. Make room for the Holy Spirit. Make room for your prayer. Make room for your travail. Make room. You're going to have to move something. This anointing is yoke-breaking and it will take us into realms of prayer that we have not yet experienced. These realms are fertile with promises, promises, promises that have been prepared and reserved for this season. Promises that the Holy Spirit wants to birth in us and then through us. I see prayer gatherings that will be charged with faith and anticipation that what will be carrying in the Spirit are those moments will be birthed before the meeting concludes. Everything of significance for this season will be conceived and birthed in the realms of prayer that the Holy Spirit is about to release in us. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Hallelujah. We're going to have a Holy Spirit time right now. I see no one in this room that will get offended or be confused about tongues, about praying in the Spirit. All of a sudden, it's a prayer meeting where the prayers of believers, and we're going to pray in the Spirit right now. So I want you to lift your hands, release your spirit. You're giving birth. You're giving travail. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let a spirit of prayer rise up. In the mighty name of Jesus, Rabba Suparabaka, Ute Maraka Basatara Malaka. More and more, Lord. 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 We pray for the harvest. We pray for the harvest. We ask for the harvest. We ask that you would, would make us workers. Oh, we make room, Lord. We say yes to you, Lord. We want to bless. We want to bless. We want to bless those who you want to bless. Oh, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I like it when I have to shut you down. Now take it to the prayer closet. Take it into your private place. Be just as bombastic. Be just as tenacious. Amen. <laughs> you may be seated. Luke chapter 19, 1 to 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. Poor guy. For he ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained. He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to, to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's our text today. And Cynthia is going to come and tell us all about it. <laughs> Dive right on in. The very first point in today's message is that Jesus sees Zacchaeus. And really, in, in the scripture and in the text, it's, it's a very quick first couple of verses. And depending on which version of the Bible, mine's the Life Application Bible, it gives a little bit of description. Zacchaeus was short of stature. Nobody in town liked him. He's a Jewish tax collector. So... Let's dive into him just a little bit before we get to the part where Jesus sees him. First of all, his name has two different meanings in the Hebrew. I know I'm going to give you one now and one right before Josh comes up. The first meaning is clean and pure. And when you think about that, clean and pure, okay. Well, he was, he was raised right by all human standards. He was Jewish. He grew up probably going to synagogue and praying and loving the Lord. And then he became a tax collector. And that doesn't automatically make him bad, but the whole town hated him. The whole town. Well, he wasn't paid by the Roman government. So that means that all of his income was collected through these taxes. Now just imagine for one minute, this guy that you got to watch grow up, whether he was your best friend when you were kids and you went to church together, or 
he was your best friend's son or your niece or nephew or your grandson. This kid that you grew up with and watched grow into this man is now taking from you. And he doesn't seem to feel bad about it. Like he's doing his job, he's collecting the taxes and he's giving to the Roman government what's theirs, but that's also his income. So this is how much you owe the government and this is how much you're gonna pay me for doing this job. I would be a little irritated. I would get a little bit frustrated because here I am working very hard to provide for my family, to have the roof over our head, and to feed all of us to make sure that we're clothed just right. And here he is. His house was getting decorated so much better, quickly. His clothes were finer. His food was richer than our food. All with my money? Hmm, no wonder they didn't like him very much. And then something awesome happened. Jesus came to Jericho. He had dealt with enough tax collectors in his lifetime that he knew what the life was like. He knew how easily it could be to be tempted because that's how they made their income. Matthew, one of his core people that he invited into his inner circle, was a tax collector before Jesus said, stop that, come and follow me. Jesus knew all about it. And he could see through it. He could see that that greed and that desire to make more money at the cost of relationship and friendship and even family was a sickness of the heart. And honestly, Jesus was the only one that had the cure. Then Zacchaeus decides to hide. I mean, I've been there. He was a small in stature human being. And you're thinking, oh, he could have just hid in the crowd to watch Jesus from afar. Well, he couldn't because he couldn't see over them. He, he tried. You, can't, you can only see so much when you're shorter than everybody else in the crowd. And he knew the path Jesus would be taking, so he ran ahead and climbed up in a tree. A lot of people just see that he climbed up in the tree so that he could see Jesus because he was curious and he wanted to know what was going on. But he's also hiding in the tree. I mean, I don't know what time of year it was, but I imagine a tree that's full of life and leaves and branches. And he hides up there and he's like, okay, Jesus is going to cross this way. He wanted to see but not be seen. He wanted to know without being known. He wanted to look from the shadows and be like, what is that light over there that's walking? I've hidden before. We've been hiding since the very beginning. In Genesis 3.8, it says that Adam and Eve heard the Lord walking in the cool of the morning and they went and they hid from him. I mean, imagine the very first people in all of history and they've never had to do that before, but they did something. Sometimes we hide when we do something. Sometimes we hide when we don't do something that we know we're supposed to. And hiding doesn't mean that we just go into the room and we shut the door and we turn off all the lights. Sometimes we just get too busy. Or we go watch TV. Or we go shopping. 
Sometimes it's eating because we don't know what else to do. And all of those things we're doing instead of dealing with what we've done wrong or haven't done that was wrong and talking to the Lord and bringing it before God. But there is still goodness. Jesus looked up into the tree, through the camouflage, through all the leaves and the branches, and he saw Zacchaeus. It does not matter how hard we run. It doesn't matter how far we go. It doesn't matter how much into the shadow we try to hide. Jesus is always coming after us. In Hebrews 4.13, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. We also have Jeremiah 23, 24. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and earth, says the Lord. He says it himself, quoting, plain as day, I'm everywhere. And he loves us. Jesus called him by name, reminding him of who he was. His name, Zacchaeus, clean and pure. This is who you are. The second name meaning is the Lord we called. The second name meaning of Zacchaeus is that the Lord we called. This is God looking through the camouflage and saying, come here. You are clean and pure, and I am calling you back to myself. Names are powerful, and God knows it, and he uses our names to come get us. Josh is going to tell us about the next part of the story. Can you imagine being Zacchaeus when Jesus spots you and calls you down? You were just hiding from him. You didn't want to be seen. Okay, he's in the tree, not Jesus, not calling out to him. He's in the tree. There's Jesus. Okay. And Jesus calls you down. The people already judge you. They already despise you. They already curse your name. And then this man, Jesus, calls you down. People flock to him. They follow Jesus. He is great. How much more is he going to do? The answer is so much more. He says, Zacchaeus, quick. Come down. I must be a guest in your house today. Jesus didn't condemn Zacchaeus for the wrongs that he did. He invited himself to be a guest in Zacchaeus' home. He saw Zacchaeus for what he was, a lost son that needed the love of the father. 
Jesus went to reclaim what was lost. Now, at this point, Zacchaeus is being called down, and he could have refused Jesus. He could have tried to stay in those shadows, but he didn't. Luke 19.6 says that Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. When I picture Zacchaeus in my mind doing this, it's not, okay, next branch, next branch, next branch, slowly climbing down. It's, Jesus is there. Let's go. Okay. He is jumping down the way that a child does when he climbs a tree. Because the greatest part of his life is at the bottom waiting for him. And he does not want to delay. As Jesus and Zacchaeus ate together in his home, there was a large crowd of people outside. All grumbling. Luke 19.7, why is Jesus eating with the likes of Zacchaeus? He is a notorious sinner. I'm sure there were people in the crowd I'm better than Zacchaeus. Why didn't Jesus come to my house? Okay. It's important to understand that in the ancient Near East, eating was especially central to life and social relations. Eating with someone meant that you wanted to be seen and associated with them. Why would Jesus this great prophet and teacher want to be seen with that kind of sinner. What people didn't realize is that as followers of Christ, we already have a spot at the banquet table. There's a place setting with our our reservation, our name card right there. This is Joshua's seat. He is at the table. Nobody can take that spot. Zacchaeus needed to know that there was room at that table for him. You know, it's easy to put labels on people, to create our own story or create a story for them in our mind, how you think their life has gone. But Jesus isn't like that. He sees us as we truly are, as a lost son or daughter in need of the Father's love. He sees the best in us when nobody else does, or when we don't see it in ourselves. Another thing that is important to see here is that Jesus didn't have to go out of his way to find Zacchaeus. The Lord put him in his path. Jesus was going through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. He already had a mission he was on. All he had to do was look and see the one that was needing him. Is there somebody in our lives that we see all the time that needs Jesus? A coworker, a friend, a family member? You know, when you go get your coffee in the morning, maybe that barista. Who do we just need to look up and see? Who's hiding in that tree that we can call out? I was at the Arco station on Bullard and Blackstone. I've used this one before, or this gas station before. This is a different story. <laughs> but there's a homeless man that he, he washes windows for, for change. I've talked about him before. 
normally I, I give him cold water out of my, my ice chest, and I go inside, and I'll buy him a Snickers bar or something. And that's it. I get back in the van, and I go. But this time I asked him, what would you like from inside the store? He asked for strawberry milk, because milk is good for your body. That's what he said. It's like, yeah, okay. Let's go inside. Let's get you some, some milk. Okay, so I go over. He's actually staying up by the register. I grab two regular milks and go up to the front. And he goes, can, it, can I have strawberry or chocolate? Yeah, let's get some strawberry or chocolate milk. You pick whatever, whatever you want because what you want is important. So he goes and he grabs two strawberry milks. And we're going up to the front. And we're walking through the candy section. And he goes, can I have these? He's pointing to some sour gummy worms. You know what? Yeah, you can have those. So he gets his sour gummy worms. We go up and we, we pay and we walk outside. And I say, can I pray for you? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd really appreciate that. You can pray for me. Okay. What would you like prayer for? What would you like prayer for? And he starts telling me his story. Okay, we're beginning with prayer. I'm listening. Okay? And now he's going to get to eat. And I'm not going to sit down and eat with him. But I help prepare that for him. And he's telling me his story. And I didn't have to go looking for him. He was there. God directed my path and his past so that we would meet. You know, this week at work, I was talking, I, I had told my boss that I was going to be preaching today. And I was in his office one day this week talking to him about a job, and I, I brought it up again. I said, hey, so are we going to see you on Sunday? And our secretary was in there. She goes, oh, what's happening on Sunday? Oh, I'm preaching. Oh, you are. That's great. She got really excited. Uh, she's a believer. She wanted to be here, but she's serving at her church today. The rest of the week, anytime I was in a room with another coworker, she would bring it up. Hey, have you told so-and-so that you're preaching today? The great part about that was is that we were always in the break room whenever she would walk in. We were in the break room already eating, already having lunch or making our morning coffee. But we were in there together, sharing food or sharing a hot beverage or whatever, and we were just talking, just building relationship. I think God brought somebody else's path in there to plant that seed, which opened up conversation for me to keep talking to them. You know, when Jesus sat and ate with Zacchaeus in his own home, he affirmed for Zacchaeus that he had value and worth. Who can we invite into our homes? Who can we take out to coffee? Who can we sit next to when we're taking our lunch break? You don't have to prepare a grand meal. You know, you can bring an extra sandwich. I've done that. I've had employee or coworkers that... 
I know they don't always bring a meal. So I've packed an extra sandwich and said, here, sit with me. Let's just eat. Or I've got an extra bag of chips. I took an extra granola bar from work. Who can we who can we share life with? You know. As the late priest and author Robert Ferrar Capone said, everyone, even the worst stinker on earth, is somebody for whom Christ died. Let's remember that. Let's remember that. Now I'm gonna hand it back over to Pastor Steve. I liked what was said about Zacchaeus wanted to see, but he didn't want to be seen. And there's lots of people, I believe, out there that they're, they're from afar. And they're in hiding, but at the same time, they're looking from afar. They are keeping their arms distance. And what is going to move them? The ball's in our court. And because Jesus began his day with prayer. See, I, I personally believe he already saw Zacchaeus when he met with his father that morning. He knew he was going to Jerusalem. He knew he was going to pass through a Jericho. But he knew there was somebody there that was pursuing him. And I think there are many people out there that are looking. They are looking. You know, I was thinking about this. I hadn't really quite thought about it before when I knew we were going to be uh, preaching and teaching on this. I tried to remember if there were any other, whether, whether there was any other person, some of you Bible scholars out there could help me maybe, because some of you know things, definitely know things I don't know. But I was trying to think if Jesus ever invited himself to somebody's house to eat with them. That exact recipe was there anybody else? Jesus, of course, would interrupt fishermen and say, follow me. Drop your nets, follow me. The tax collector in Matthew and all of his friends, he would say, leave and follow me. But this was special. I realized this Zacchaeus thing was very special. Because what I love is, of course, the definition and the name that was excellent, Cynthia, is that, you know, Jesus sees us through his eyes as something pure, as something lovely, as something he wants and desires and what matters to him. That he already knew where he was going to have lunch. Of all things. 
he knew he was going to have lunch with someone who everybody hated and rejected and resented. But see, this one was very special to Jesus because he was one of his own. Hear me now. He was actually one of his own. He called him a son of Abraham. He called him a son of Abraham. And this was Jesus' desire that someone of his own house, of his own kindred, would welcome him. Remember? He came, it says he came to his own. And they received him not. They rejected him. But not this one. Not this one. This was one that Jesus knew he was going to be accepted and welcomed and not at arm's length, not at the front door, not just in the living room, but actually come to my table and eat my food. I liked it. That, yeah, he was probably eating pretty good. He had a good worthy meal to give Jesus. And it didn't bother Jesus at all of where the money came from. He just loved him. Yeah. A son of Abraham. And I'm telling you, there are people out there that God loves so much yeah. that I don't think really there was anybody that Jesus invited himself to their house. And yet, he welcomed him. And as you know, he came, Jesus calls him, and you have a third point in the message. Jesus called Zacchaeus to not stay the same. He could not keep his enterprise. He could not keep his lifestyle. But Zacchaeus didn't care. He was ready to give it up. In fact, he was ready to take what was taken as a thief and turn it around and have it be a blessing to everyone else. He turned what was evil into good. Because that's what happens. And it happened to you and it happens to me. That when we encounter Jesus, oh, we want to be different. I don't want to stay the same. I want to be this new person. I receive this love and I receive you giving me new life. And that's what he did. He calls him to new life. Because there it was written to Zacchaeus, he stood and he said to the Lord, look, Lord. <laughs> now he wants the Lord to look. <laughs> look, Lord. Look at me. I give half my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. I wonder what that was like. I really wonder what that was like. That he, 
that Zacchaeus, what a testimony to that little place in Jericho. That he goes down the street and he remembers every client, every client that he ripped off, every one of his own people, his own brothers, that he took their money and he put it in his own pocket and did not divert it to the Roman government. He kept everything on his own, but he took all of that stuff and he said, now, he said, I know, I took $100 from you this last year. I'm giving you $400 back. What? You know why? Because I met Jesus. Jesus came to my house. Jesus came to my table. Jesus ate of my food. And he changed my life forever. Even when I couldn't, I couldn't approach him. I could not bring myself to approach him. Because I was, well, I felt I was a little short. By the way, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Little joke there. But we all fall short. He said, but I've changed. And the people knew it changed. There was a testimony, not of Zacchaeus. It was a testimony of the changing power of the presence and the acceptance and of Jesus in his life and Jesus at his table, letting him come to the most central, intimate part. Amazing. I want to go to the prayer. Let's go to the prayer. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you, you must, everybody knows a Zacchaeus. I I believe that. Everybody knows a Zacchaeus. And just know how much the Lord wants to be with them. He wants to be with them. pray this prayer together. Is it on the screen? Is it on the screen? Can we have it on the screen? You shall appear. Oh. Okay, I'll take that one too. This is a concluding statement. I guess I didn't put that prayer up there, did I? Oh, you're saying no? Is that a no? All right. You know what? Sometimes I do that on purpose because I would rather them repeat after me instead of read. That was probably one of those times in that moment. (laughs) So So our conclusion here that we've been reading this has appeared in other messages. Our joy, remember, our joy is completed in his mission. Jesus has saved us and he's called us into our new way of life to be a blessing to the lost and the hurting people, right? So we will make room for all people. We declare, we announce, we will make room for all people and inspire their lives to be followers of Jesus and join in the mission of Jesus to all the world. 
that is our that is our statement. Pray with me, would you? Let's just close our eyes and just make this a prayer today. And I know you don't know where we're going because it's not on the slide. That's okay. It's not heresy. It's it'll be good. Jesus, you know us by name. And you see the best in us. You take all of our broken pieces. And you invite us to return to you. Let me pray, Lord, if there's anyone here, anyone here, anyone listening online right now, anyone listening online, anyone who happens to be here, church member or no church member, if there is anyone here and you have captured their hearts, we pray that this would be a message that we will all remember always. May they know, Lord, that you see them that you love them, that you value them, and that you call them from their hiding place back to you. We all need it, Lord. We all need to be reminded that we are loved and that someone sees the best in us. You, Lord, see the best. Thank you for loving us with unconditional, amazing, beautiful, pursuing love and for calling us by our names. Just as you did as Zacchaeus, you call us by our name. May we be attentive to how we can share your love tangibly in our homes. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. Let it be. You know, I'll tell you how special the table is. Because that was a place... Meals were used, meals were symbolic of reconciliation. Anytime there was a reconciliation and a reunion, isn't that interesting? It's all at the table. No longer enemies. No longer in conflict. No longer divided. We are one. And we are one around the table. That's why Jesus, what we have called the Last Supper around the table, oh, that was so important. More important than we will ever realize for those apostles and their future and the future of the church. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. Thank you for including Zacchaeus in your word. Thank you, Lord, for including the story, Lord, because it's also, for many of us, it's also our story. That, Lord, we seek, we would seek, we would look to you, but it's you that eventually said, I'm coming. Here I come. Thank you, Lord, for coming. And thank you for staying. Thank you for abiding calling us your own. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Gateway Sermon Podcast at our Gateway City Church, Clovis Campus. We'll be releasing a new episode every week, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. 
Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week.